In terms of outlook, I think it really depends on what goes on with inflation. I think that if we do see signs that we have some peak inflation, the Fed potentially can become slightly less hawkish than what the market anticipates. I think that's going to be the major catalyst in terms of what drives the market higher. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. As market volatility persists and concerns about a recession grow, how will central banks respond? In today's episode, portfolio managers Chris Heeks and Alfred Lee and your host Mark Rays discuss ways for investors to manage these uncertainties, including covered call and low volatility strategies. They also look at the bond market, widening yield spreads, and performance across the cap spectrum. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome to our weekly ETF Insight Call with our team of experts. I'm today's host, Mark Rays, head of product for BMO Global Asset Management. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for listening in. And we're joined today by two of our portfolio managers, Chris Heeks and Alfred Lee. So thanks to both of you for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. Good morning. Good morning. Let's get right into things. Let's start with the bond market, which, of course, we measure broadly with ZAG, our aggregate bond ETF, being down about 10% year-to-date. Now, this rapid upward movement in interest rates across the curve has been a huge challenge in portfolios, uh, reaching rates you know, last seen about a decade ago and, and getting there very quickly. Now, the bright side is that the yield on fixed income is now about equal to that of equity markets. So how does that impact portfolio construction for yield-oriented investors? And as a bonus, can you tell us about two fixed-income ETFs that advisors have been considering as recent portfolio ads? Thanks. Sure. So you're definitely right. I would say rising interest rates have definitely not been kind to the fixed-income market. But I do think the fixed-income market is going through you know, a natural recalibration at this point. I mean, you know, a year ago, if I told you, you'd be getting 3.5% yield to maturity from fixed income, which is what uh, Zag is yielding right now, um, a lot of people would be jumping over that trade. Um, but, you know, when you look at the fixed income market, I think there's still a lot of uncertainty out there. We don't know whether rates are going to move in any higher. But I think the key metric that, you know, fixed income investors should be looking at right now is obviously inflation. If there are signs that inflation has peaked, the Fed and the Bank of Canada potentially don't have to do you know, all the rate hikes that are priced into the market right now. Um, I do think that you know, inflation or the lack of inflation or you know, peak inflation would be the major catalyst for assets right now, not just for fixed income, but also the equity market right now. I think investors need to keep in mind that we don't necessarily need the Fed and the Bank of Canada to all of a sudden become dubs. We just need them to become less hawkish or you know, less hawkish than what the market anticipates. So, you know, when you compare the 3.5% yield to maturity on ZAG compared to the 2.9% yield on the TSX or the ZC, or ZCN, if you will, I think we are starting to see some asset allocators dip their toes in the fixed income. Um, if you are running, you know, let's say 
a balanced portfolio, 60-40 mix or a 70-30 mix or whatever your predefined asset allocation mix is. So Zag is down 10% year to date. ZCN is only down 3.5%. So, you know, even with that rebalancing trade, getting back to your target asset allocation, you know, given the yield on, yield on fixed income is, you know, 3.5% on Zag right now, that definitely makes that rebalancing trade a little bit more palatable at this point. But, you know, as I mentioned, I think the, there's still a lot of uncertainty in terms of the fixed income market right now. So taking on that duration risk uh, may not make, make sense for some investors. Um, if inflation continues to come in hot, you know, that 2.8% that you're getting off a 10-year bond may not be enough to compensate you from taking on that term risk. Uh, the good news, however, is that, you know, when you look at the yield curve, it is pretty flat at this point. Uh, so that means that there's certain pockets within the fixed income market that, you know, from a risk reward standpoint, are more attractive than, you know, I would say the aggregate bond uh, exposure. So two ETFs that I really like at this point that I think make a lot of sense to, you know, especially retail advisors is one ZST. So when you look at the yield to maturity on, on ZST, it's 2.2%. Uh, also, when you look at the duration, it's 0.5. So, you know, you are giving up a little bit of yield to maturity, 1.3% uh, to be exact. But you're practically taking on no duration risk. You know, keep in mind, when you look at the yield to maturity on ZST, just a year and a half ago, it was yielding only 30 basis points. So, uh, you know, the main point, however, is that the duration of 0.5 is significantly lower than, you know, the 7.5 that you're getting on Zag. Uh, but the main objective for bond investors at this point, I think, is managing that duration risk right now in case the Bank of Canada needs to be more aggressive in its tightening. Uh, the other one I like is ZBI, which is the Canadian Bank Income ETF. Uh, this one invests exclusively in instruments issued by Canadian banks. Um, I think this one is pretty interesting. I know we talked quite a bit about this one on recent podcasts, uh, but I do think it is well positioned for um, today's market. So the yield to maturity on this one is 4.5%. Uh, duration is 26 um, Also, you know, 40% of this portfolio invests in things like preferred shares and LRCN, which do have those resettable features if they do get extended. So if interest rates move higher, they're going to reset to higher um, interest rates and dividends. Um, and given the recent softness in the prep market, you know, many of the banks in the preferred share space are trading at pretty notable discounts, 15 to 20% for some of them. Um, but the majority of these bank crafts are going to get called within the next three to four years. So, you know, potentially they do move up to par value over time. So I, I do like this one. I think, you know, the characteristics are well suited for today's market, uh, not to mention the resettable features, but also um, the discount to fair value in the preferred share uh, segment of, of ZBI as well. So I think you know, ZST and ZBI are you know, two ETFs that fixed income investors potentially may want to look at. Great. Thanks for that, Alfred. And certainly stepping away from duration at this point. So seeing all that volatility in the market is something that uh, advisors are looking for. And as you say, picking up some yield. Otherwise, certainly with, with ZBI has been a very successful new launch for us. So great to see. Are your clients looking for enhanced yield and protection against volatility? Check out BMO GAM's monthly covered calls, derivatives, and volatility landscape report, which features the latest performance numbers from BMO's suite of covered call and enhanced yield ETF solutions, including the BMO Covered Call Canadian Banks ETF ticker ZWB and the BMO Covered Call US Banks ETF ticker ZWK. Access the report today at BMOETFs.ca. 
Now let's turn over to equity markets, which of course continue to suffer. And advisors have been asking for an update on covered call writing. With higher volatility, are you then writing further out of the money or are you increasing premiums or, or doing something else? Can you use ZWG, our global covered call ETF, to illustrate your comments? Thanks. For sure. Thanks, Mark. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely been a you know challenging year, as we all know, in equities. ZWG year-to-date down 8%. However, the MSCI world is down 15%. So, you know, before I get to the cover call, I just wanted to put in a word on dividend-based investing and how effective that's been. Obviously, we don't want to be down 8%, but it's much better than being down 15%. You know, and that all, I think it really comes down to this, you know, really uh, significant rotation that we've been talking about from growth to value continuing to take place as those interest rates increase you know, it's punishing those growth companies that have done so well the last couple of years. And really companies with like current cash flow, uh, you know, current free cash flow, uh, sustainable dividend payers, you know, are really benefiting from that. So if you look at the stock selection within ZWG, it's very strong. Um, again, being, you know, it, it does have IT exposure, but it's more exposed to uh, companies like Microsoft, Apple that have, you know, a little better cash flow versus say, in those more growthy companies, maybe like an NVIDIA, Amazon, Facebook, et cetera, that aren't paying dividends and are carry a little higher growth profile. Um, so, so that's really been beneficial, and we're seeing that across uh, the dividend suite. So whether it's our global or, you know, all of our dividend-based ETFs are outperforming the broad index by 5 to 8%. I think the Cover Call Canada is the only one that's eked out a positive return this year is that WC is up about 3% year-to-date. But again, you know, beating the broad index by about 6% in Canada. So a covered call strategy, you, you always start with that equity portfolio first. You know, we think our strategies overall, we're, we're in a good spot with those equities. You know, on the covered call side, obviously, in a, in a high volatility environment such as we're in, you know, it does present opportunities for the covered call uh, overwriter to earn that additional income and place, for, place options further out of the money. So... To answer your question, yes, we're both increasing premiums as well as increasing our distance from the current price, so our moneyness of our options. Uh, ZWG right now, we're writing 7 to 8% out of the money on a one- and two-month basis, and that's generating 4.2% of additional yield through the calls. So, you know, it's a healthy amount of yield that we can generate in this environment. And again, being 7 to 8% out of the money gives investors a nice buffer for those uh, stocks to recover. And we do, you know, we expect a recovery at some point for equities. Um, gives you a nice buffer to participate in return. And as a reminder, we only do cover calls on approximately half of the portfolio. So, you know, if there is that equity rally, half of it participates 100%. And then the other half, like I said, those stocks can go up 7 to 8% before, you know, uh, on average, there's any, any foregone upside on the cover call side. So, it's a good environment for covered call overlays. Um, it's a bit of a silver lining, but you know, across the suite, we're generating you know a lot of income. You know, in the case of ZWG, like I said, 4.2% from the calls. Dividend yields about 3.6. So you know, um, I think net net the product's yielding about 7%. So it's, you know, it's a compelling strategy to add to your toolkit as an income investor and, and maintain growth exposure to equities. Thanks, Chris. And as you mentioned, the, the dynamic nature of that call writing implementation is so so critical to 
protecting unit holder value. Uh, what you what you want to see and what you do do is, as markets get more volatile, you write further out of the money to just give those stocks more opportunity to recover. So it's it's a great approach, uh, not being completely locked in on how you do things and being dynamic on the implementation. Let's turn back to fixed income, where we've had advisors asking about the quickly widening spreads on high-yield bonds. So using ZJK or ZHY are two tickers on high-yield bonds. Uh, what is driving this activity? Is it now general fear of a recession, or are there other factors at play? Thanks. It's been pretty interesting because, you know, a couple of weeks ago, when you look at the spreads on U.S. investment grade, the spreads in U.S. investment grade widened out more on a percentage basis versus high yield up until, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And I think what was happening was that, you know, due to the higher exposure to energy and high yield, that's what was keeping spreads in. But, you know, more recently, I think you're right, like spreads in high yield have definitely widened out um, more so. Um, I think there is a number of things going on. Recessionary concerns are definitely one of the factors. Um, but I think, you know, other things that are um, causing high yield spreads to widen out is I think higher rates have definitely had, you know, led, led investors to be concerned about refinancing risk in, in terms of rolling that debt over. Obviously, with the high yield issuers, they carry more debt. Um, so when, as interest rates rise and they, they need to refinance, um, you know, rolling that debt over is going to have m- more significant costs um, in terms of servicing that debt compared to investment grade issuers. We actually did some research in terms of, you know, looking at the high yield index in terms of, you know, the number of issuers that need to refinance over the next couple of years. It's only 4% of the index that needs to be rolled over in the next two and a half years. So I think you know, that refi risk is definitely, um, you know, a little bit overblown at this point. Um, but I do think, you know, other things that are happening is that investors are de-risking their portfolios right now. So when you look at, U.S. investment grade, for example, um, in terms of the corporate bond space in, in the U.S., um, using ZIC, which is our midterm U.S. investment grade ETF as a, as a proxy, uh, yield to maturity on that one is about 4.4% right now. So investors are you know, definitely looking at investment grades and, and thinking that the yield in terms of uh, the risk reward um, at this point compared to the high yield market, probably more attractive. Um, but I think you know, there definitely is a concern about recession at this point as well. Uh, when you look at when high yield spreads started widening out, it was definitely about, you know, a month and a half ago when we saw that U.S. yield curve inverge, uh, invert. Um, so that definitely spooked a lot of investors. Um, but I think if you are a long-term investor, I think, you know, high yield definitely um, is something attractive in, in terms of consideration in, in the portfolio at this point. When you look at the yield on ZJK and ZHY, 7.8% right now, so the highest levels we've, we've seen in quite a long time. Um, high yield spreads in terms of, you know, looking at the CDX high yield market as a proxy, it's about 500 points right now. Um, definitely not sustainable over the long term. That's, you know, just about double of where they typically reside. So, again, I think if you're a long-term investor and you got the appetite for risk, ZJK and ZHY may make sense in your portfolio. I wouldn't say it's a core exposure, but let's say allocating 5% of your portfolio um, but just be ready that spreads could potentially widen out further. You know, we definitely have seen high yield spreads, you know, wider than this. Um, but I do think if you, you know, buy a little bit and you have a two to three year time horizon and not look at it over the two, next two to three years, it potentially will be a pretty good trade. It, it is pretty attractive at these levels, given that, you know, as I mentioned, spreads are not sustainable at these levels. Right. Thanks for that, Alfred. 
Would you like to hear more from BMO Global Asset Management's team of investment experts? Check out the BMO Market Insights podcast. These timely, client-friendly episodes deliver the latest news and commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing, with a focus on exchange-traded funds. Available now at bmoetfs.ca, that's bmoetfs.ca, or on your favorite podcast platform. Let's come back to the equity market, switch it back. Can you comment on the performance year-to-date of ZLB, our low-ball Canadian equity? We've certainly seen uh, outperformance versus ZCN, our broad Canadian market ETF. And advisors are well aware of the energy underweight in ZLB. So why is ZLB performing so well? Thanks. Yeah, so, you know, as well as dividend factors performing well in this kind of growth-to-value shift, we're also seeing low volatility strategies do quite well this year. You know, obviously, when there's concerns and, and, and market volatility, this is, tends to be where low volatility does uh, very well. Like you said, you know, it's interesting that, that it's done that in that, you know, energy has been really the only positive sector, and it's been quite a, quite a good sector. You know, it's one big reason why Canadian equities are, are outperforming U.S. or international equities by a sizable margin this year. Uh, but yeah, ZLB is still, despite an energy underweight, managing to to outperform. So down one percent this year versus down three for for broad Canadian equities. Um, you know, and one you know one big word is it's, it's unavoidable is Shopify. So if you look at the contribution of Shopify versus the lag of the energy underweight, that up uh, that is pretty close to balancing each other out. So. The underweight energy has cost 5%, but the underweight and no weight in Shopify has contributed 5%. Um, so again, you know, with Shopify really, really falling victim to this, again, this growth to value trend that's really negatively impacted growth stocks, you know, that's been a big for the low volatility uh, fund. You know, I know a lot of other, you know, managers have tried to keep up with the index, index you know, previously by buying Shopify, but you know, low volatility, I would say, you know, these are disciplined strategies. Shopify never met the nature of the fund and the exposure we're trying to deliver, which is low volatility. So it was never in the fund. And that's, that's um, you know, proven to be beneficial. So, you know, with low volatility, it's a slow and steady approach. And, you know, it tends to do pretty well over time uh, historically. So that's, that's what we're seeing. Um, you know, there's a little give up on the material side as well. A couple, you know, material names like uh, Nutrien and Tech. Uh, but again, they've been offset and more than offset by defensive names. Uh, if you look at the U.S. ETF market, you know, over the past month, the, the flows have really shifted to the defensive. So you're seeing staples, healthcare, utilities, uh, really getting a lot of flows in the U.S. You know, we've talked about how significantly the U.S. low volatilities at LU is outperforming you know, down in the U.S. Uh, but it's the same here as well. So you're seeing, you know, kind of finally utilities, staples, Real estate to a lesser extent, but but also a real estate. Real estate's had some wobbles recently, but but the, certainly utilities and staples really outperforming this year. Finally, kind of coming back as investors have that preference for a lower risk approach. Uh, so again, that'll be kind of up to its old tricks, um, kind of offering that equity upside with a reduced volatility profile. And you know, despite the energy underweight, you know, I think the the outlook is good. You know, particularly where we have those kind of high-level macro concerns or late-cycle concerns due to the hiking environment, you know, I think it does continue to speak well for the low-volatility approach like ZLB. 
Thanks for that, Chris. Now, uh, last question for today. We got a question came in from an advisor asking for an update on the performance across the cap spectrum and your outlook for 2022, considering all the market risks right now. Uh, so can you do that using ZSP, ZMID, and ZSML, our large, mid, and small cap S&P ETFs? As I look at the returns in 2022 year-to-date, it is uh, quite interesting to see them performing pretty much in line with each other. So your comments across the cap spectrum. Thanks. Yeah, so very little difference between um, the three, as you mentioned. When you look at ZSP, ZMID, uh, ZSmall, pretty much all in line when you look at their performance year to date, um, all between negative 14 and negative 16% loss. Um, ZSP actually is underperforming um, by a bit, so it's down negative 16%. A uh, little bit surprising given that, you know, if you look at the equity market weakness, uh, the natural inclination would be to think that small caps would be lagging at this point. But when you look at the, you know, composition of the indexes or the ETFs, um, what that's coming from is essentially, you know, you look at the technology makeup of each of the three ETS, technology makes up about 28% of the S&P 500. So um, when you look at ZMIT and ZSmall, the IT sector is only about 13% of those ETFs. So I think, I think that's where the main difference is. Um, so even though you know, the larger tech companies in ZSP are, I would argue, you know, less interest rate sensitive, given that there is some, you know, cash-rich companies in there, you know, companies like Apple, Google, Microsoft, the three that um, Chris mentioned earlier, um, I do think you know having more exposure to that sector overall definitely has weighed on uh, ZSP, given that that sector has been badly hit year to date. Uh, but in terms of outlook, in terms of what to expect, I think it really depends on what goes on with inflation. I think that if we do see signs of, um, you know, that we have seen peak inflation, uh, the Fed potentially can become slightly less hawkish and what the market anticipates. And as I mentioned earlier, I think that's going to be the major you know, catalyst in terms of what drives the market higher. Um, the IT sector, I think, is going to be you know, very well positioned if the Fed does become less hawkish. So I think in that case, that SP will outperform. Um, but I do think if inflation continues to be a story, um, it definitely will weigh on the tech sector. So in that case, I think you know, that continue, will continue to weigh on that SP. So I think you know, the key metric that investors need to look at is, again, um, inflation. Um, but, you know, my guess is that, you know, we've been saying this for quite some time. <clears throat> we do think that you know, the prudent move for, for what the Fed should do is to take a pause in September. Um, it really, you know, takes a couple of months in terms of seeing the effects of the higher interest rates or, you know, tighter, tighter monetary policy and, and, and its effect on the economy. Um, you know, when you look at inflation, things like CPI, it is a lagging indicator. So, you know, it's almost like the Fed is trying to drive forward by looking through the rearview mirror right now, which is, which is a you know, pretty challenging process. So, again, I think the prudent move to, for the Fed and, you know, other central banks to take right now is, is to take a pause sometime in late summer or September. Um, and if they do see encouraging signs that inflation has peaked, as I mentioned, I think IT is going to be well positioned. And I think in that case, uh, ZST will likely outperform. But I think the good news is that, you know, through ETFs, investors essentially have all the you know, investment tools to position themselves no matter what happens with inflation. Great. Thanks for that update, Alfred. And that's all the questions we have in for today. So I want to thank everyone once again for listening in. We really appreciate your time. Thanks again to both 
Chris and Alfred, some really insightful responses covering a lot of the market today. So much appreciated. And with that, just want to thank everyone on the call one last time and have a great day. Thank you to Mark Rays, Chris Heeks, and Alfred Lee for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Global High Dividend Covered Call ETF, ticker ZWG, which may be a good option for income investors looking to maintain exposure to equities. Our experts also discussed the BMO Low Volatility Canadian Equity ETF, ticker ZLB, which offers equity upside with a reduced volatility profile. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.